a, a, month, a month ago I was talking here about Moses and his um, and him saying no to God and it's right, I'm not expecting you to remember it I'm just saying that as a statement of fact and while I was talking about Moses I just happened to reference Jonah and how he also said no to God and um, I sort of went back just to read Jonah just to make sure I was saying the right thing and I just love the book of Jonah and we don't really talk about it much in a main church it's fine in the Sunday school and I've spoken about Jonah a few times too when I used to run Bible class it's a great story but we don't kind of do Jonah in, in big church but I don't know about you but the, the title of the book of Jonah I find misleading you think a book called the book of Jonah is going to be about Jonah but when you read it you realise there's nothing it's not about Jonah it's about God. Amen. It's about God and his character and his nature. And um, a couple of weeks ago, Joseph brilliantly spoke about the character of God. And um, so I should just apologise. Due to a technical error, we could, we didn't, that one didn't actually record, so you can't get that one on the podcast. But it was a lovely talk about the character of God, and I thought, yeah, we want more of this. So I just thought, actually I will take that, that while I think about it. I just thought we would talk about the character of God as seen in the book of Jonah. And um, we won't go very deep. Well, Jonah will go quite deep. But <laughs> that's another joke, sorry. Um, we won't go very deep. We'll keep it a bit of fun. Um, but I want to get the title in now to fit in with our series. So I've been playing around with it. But I'm going to call it Adopting God's compassion as a lifestyle adopting God's compassion as a lifestyle so it's not a long book we're not going to read it all it's four chapters long and each chapter deals with a particular segment but it's actually only 47 verses in total so it's very quick and easy to read if you want to go back and read it at some point I've just put a couple of the key verses up as we go along and uh, this is Jonah chapter 1 the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. <laughs> so, when the... Uh, it's quite well known that in, in human nature, if you face a crisis, there's usually two, two responses. Fight or flight, isn't there? And Moses clearly put up a fight because he argued with God and he gave him four good reasons why he couldn't do it and then in the end he just said no. Jonah, he just fled. He was a, he was a flight mentality. He went and he went in the opposite direction. So God said to go to Nineveh. Nineveh was about 500 miles to the to the right, if you're looking on the map, to the east. So uh, we're, we're going to say Nineveh's over there, over in that far corner. So uh, Jonah's not going that way; he's going this way. And you'll have to picture a map. I was going to do a map, but I can't. He can't go very far west because he hits the coast. So he goes to the port of Joppa, and he finds a, finds a uh, boat that's going the farthest away 
from where he's supposed to be going as possible. I think Tarshish was probably southern Portugal area. So he's on, the, on that coast of Israel there on the Mediterranean, and he's going as far as away as a boat will take them. I don't think they knew anything was beyond Portugal. So he had to go through the Strait of Gibraltar. It was a long way away. He wasn't doing this by halves. So he gets, to, uh, he gets to the port of Joppa, he gets on the boat, and if that's not enough, he decides to go underneath the deck. And he goes under the deck, and he's, he thinks he's hiding from God. He thinks he's away from God. He thinks God can't see him. So he's feeling a bit happy about this, and he's wondering what he's going to do with his life. And... Um, He's gonna, he's, you know, he's gonna have to find a new uh, form of work when he gets to Tarshish because he can't really be a prophet of God anymore. But he feels that actually God probably doesn't want to know him anymore, and perhaps after after a couple of days, God will forget about him. Very much out of sight, out of mind. Then the waves came, and Jonah realised that God knew exactly where he was. Can I just thank you that none of you left? <laughs> I was keeping an eye on the door. I was going to write your names down if you'd gone. But, uh, but do you know how sometimes we try to get away from God? We try to hide from God. Quite often we think, um, actually God doesn't want to know us anymore. We've failed too many times. that Actually God would rather we just quietly disappeared. But Jonah couldn't hide from God, and nor can we. And there's two very good reasons why. First, it's a simple reason, God is all-knowing, and he knows exactly where you are. But the real key reason we can't run away from God is because God cannot and will not let us go. It is not in his nature to let us go. It is not in his character to give up on us. And so God pursued Jonah, and I, and I love this word, pursued, um, when God pursues you. But I realize there are kind of n- that term can have negative consequences or uh, meanings. You know, if, if you're a guilty party and you're, you're, you're running away and you're being pursued by the long arm, long arm of the law, that's quite a negative thing, isn't it? Or maybe you experienced an angry parent who you run away from and they're pursuing you because they're angry and they're just, wait till I get my hands on you. You know, it's quite a negative thing. But this is much more of a gentle pursuit from God. It's, I kind of equate it to when a parent says to the young toddler, right, it's time to go upstairs to bed. And the toddler runs in the opposite direction because they don't want to yet. And so you just lovingly go and chase them and then pick them up and cuddle them and take them upstairs. It's a, it's a pursuit, but it's a much more gentle pursuit. But God can never let us go. go. God uh, will pursue us. So anyway, yes, yeah, so we're back on the story, aren't we? I've forgotten, almost forgotten the story. You know what the story is. So he's on the boat, and the storm comes, and the crew are getting very upset, and everyone's feeling, feeling bad. It's a really bad storm, and Paul's already told us that storms come, and they do, and this is... But this is really pretty a, a major storm. And um, in the end, they work out that it's Jonah's fault. In fact, Jonah says, look, this is all because of me. I realize now that this is me. I, 
I said no to God and he's pursuing me. And the wonderful thing is that actually the crew say, no, no, we'll, we'll, we'll row harder, we'll keep trying, we'll keep trying. And in the end, they realised they couldn't. But they bowed down and worshipped Jonah's God. They bowed down and worshipped the Lord God. But Jonah said, the only way this is going to end well for you, you've got to throw me overboard. So they did. And you know how in, um, in films sometimes, you know, they, somebody, something happens and, and they show their thought process in slow motion. I can just imagine as Jonah's thrown by these, uh, these sailors and before he hits the water, what's going through his mind, you know, this is all my fault, I deserve this. I've let God down. Now this is the end. I bet this water's going to be cold. And then he hits the water and he starts to sink. He's not there. And when he starts to sink, and as he sinks to the bottom, as his lungs start to, as the water starts to fill his lungs, and he starts to lose consciousness, I think his last thought was it's all over, there is no hope but at least it can't get any worse than this. But yes, it can. <laughs> because along, God sent along a big fish. Now, I don't, I'm not going to get into what it was. I'm going to call it a whale because I just find it easier. It could have been a whale. Uh, the Bible does describe it as a big fish. That's a whale shark, which is one of those things that just goes along the bottom of the, of, of the, of the ocean, just picking up all the or what's lying around, but who knows? God rescued Jonah. That's the key bit. Not what the fish was. The key bit is God rescued Jonah. When he thought there was no hope, when he thought that was the end, God rescued Jonah. Not sure that Jonah quite saw being uh, rescued as being inside a great big fish. I can't imagine he, he thought that was actually being rescued. Um, what you have to remember is when Jonah was in the fish, he didn't know what was coming in chapters 3 and 4. He didn't know how this was going to end. But he was there in the fish, and there was nothing he could do. And uh, it was as if he was dead. He may have been unconscious for a lot of the period. We, I don't know. But at the end, or at some point, he, he offers up to God... Uh, a prayer of thanksgiving and Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish he said I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble and he answered me I called to you from the land of the dead and Lord you heard me but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise and I will fulfill all my vows for my salvation comes from the Lord alone I said to Naya about two responses, fight or flight, when it comes to a crisis. Both of those responses use up a lot of energy. There's a lot of activity. But you know, there are times when God puts us in a position, times in our lives, where we can't do anything to save ourselves. He strips us from, of everything that we know and take comfort from. And he just says to us, be still and know that I am God. 
sometimes we just need, even in the times of the worst trouble, we just need to sit and know that he is God. You have to feel sorry for Jonah in the in that fish, but you also have to have a certain amount of sympathy for the big fish because kind of been comfortable having somebody in there. But eventually, after three days, God commands the fish to spit uh, Jonah out. And then we get to chapter three, and this is the key chapter of the whole of the book of Jonah in my mind. I know that we know the chapters one and two really well. But chapter three is a key one because Jonah is suddenly back on the shore, back where he started a week before, and God says to him, I want you to go to Nineveh and give them my message. Back where he started. But it's wonderful, isn't it? Because it's, it's as if God has totally forgotten what happened in the past week. There's pure forgiveness. It's a reset button. Right, this is what we're going to do next. God is looking forward. God wants to go forward with us, not to visit the past. He needs to visit what is ahead. You can't... You can't... Um, in some ways, you can't forget what has happened in that past week. Because in that week, when... Jonah was disobeying God when Jonah was running away. A whole ship's crew became Christians. A whole ship's crew worshipped God. When Jonah was in the whale, it was as if he was dead. And Jesus referenced that, didn't he, in, in, in Matthew. And he said, just as he was prophesying to the Pharisees, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. So it was a significant thing that happened in that week. So it wasn't something that you could physically forget, but it's not something you dwell on. God wanted to just think about the future and not the past. And I just think that even in Jonah's failure, God triumphed, didn't he? There was a real positive outcome to Jonah's running away. And Paul, Paul was so right just now when he was saying that storms come, they will always come. Sometimes, and it is only sometimes, those storms are of our, are of our own making because we've disobeyed God. A lot of the times we go through storms and it's not because of that. So just if you're going through a difficult time, it doesn't mean to say it's because you're disobedient. It's just God wants to... Uh, take us forward there's that verse consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testimony of your faith produces perseverance let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything so as I say we go to chapter 3 and God says right we're going forward I need you to go to Nineveh. I need you to speak to the people to pass on my message. So this is chapter 3. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now Nineveh will be destroyed. Before we read on, or you can read on what I'm going to speak. Quite amazing, isn't it, really? 
Jonah, even though he'd been through that, he didn't really want to go to Nineveh and he didn't really want to give this message. In my opinion, he kind of says it begrudgingly. He says, 40 days from now Nineveh will be destroyed. He doesn't actually say to them, well, you know, if you plead to God, he may be merciful to you. He just said, you're going to die. He really did not like the people of Nineveh. And he kind of begrudgingly told them God's message, but he kind of kept it the best bit to himself. No talk there of seeking God's mercy. When God calls us to speak to people, it would be better if we could be a bit more enthusiastic than Jonah was. <coughs> it would be better if we could just show a bit more of God's compassion than Jonah did. But you know, the end result will be the same. If we speak God's word, God will use us. And uh, he used Jonah. And uh, the people in Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Whether we deliver God's message in a really eloquent way or in a just a stumbling uh, fashion, God will use us. Paul and I were sharing the other day, we, we both had the same experience a few years ago when Billy Graham was in, in Bristol and he went to his talking in Ashton Gate and uh, we didn't know each other but we'd have the same experience because I went, we took some people, Angie and I went, we took some people and we sat there listening to Billy Graham and I'm thinking, it's just typical of me, isn't it, to come on a day when he's having an off day because yeah. he was rubbish. <laughs> he was not good. He was not good and I'm thinking, well, I could have done better than that. And then he gives the appeal at the end, and you think, well, some hope you got there. But just people just poured out of the stand. And it wasn't Billy Graham. It was the Holy Spirit. And we just have to be willing and obedient to speak. We don't have to be eloquent. We just have to be willing. Even if it's sometimes begrudgingly. So that's chapter 3. I say it's the key chapter to me because it's all about God's compassion and forgiveness. He forgave Jonah and moved forward. He forgave the people in Nineveh and uh, did not carry out his threat. God is such a compassionate, forgiving God. And then you get to the, fi the final chapter, which is um, where, where you find Jonah's actually sulking. He's really upset because um, he's told the Ninevans they're all going to die in 40 days. And then God says, no, no, actually they're not. I've changed my mind. I'm saving them. So, so Jonah's having a real sulk. And he goes, and, uh, he goes up to the hill overlooking the city and decides to wait because he thinks the Ninevans aren't going to live up to their promise. And he thinks God's still going to destroy them. So he, and he's, that's what he's hoping for. What I haven't said, um, but what you need to understand is he absolutely loathed the Ninevans. The Nineveh was in Assyria, which was the enemy <coughs> of the Israelites. They were a very evil people. They weren't just wicked and just kept themselves to themselves. They were evil people. I think the, mo the, the, 
the modern-day equivalent would be ISIS because they, they took Israel Israelites and their enemies and they slaughtered them and they did horrendous things, beheaded them. They were the worst of the worst. But God had compassion on them. And Jonah, so Jonah is, that's why he was upset. That's why he ran away. It says in chapter 4 that, um, let's see if I got it. So, Jonah, so this is Jonah chapter 4. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. Not because I was afraid. I might have been a little bit afraid. But I ran away because I knew, God, that you would change your mind. I knew that you would have compassion on these people, and they don't deserve it. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. He was pretty cheesed off. And then, to make matters worse, it was very hot while he was sat up on the hill waiting for Nineveh to see what happened in Nineveh. His plant grew up nice, a lovely shade, and all of a sudden he started to feel comfortable. And then God sent a worm, and the plant disappeared again, and then he's in this blazing heat. And this time he's getting really angry. He was not having a good day with Jonah. And he was uh, very angry with the Lord. Why have you taken away this plant? You just had this plant, that's all. And God says quite clearly, why are you worried about a plant? I'm worried about people. And it says to us, doesn't it, that sometimes we can get so concerned with our own lifestyle and our own possessions and the own thing, our own things going on in our own lives that we forget that the real purpose here is to witness to others, is to share God's love, is to change our priorities so they're actually more evangelical in our approach, that we're actually uh, speaking out to people. Do we ever get surprised by God's compassion? Do we ever get surprised by God's love for us? Do we ever sometimes think, wow, God, how can you love me? But he does. And his compassion is there. But do we ever feel that there are other people in this world that aren't actually really deserving of God's love? That aren't deserving of God's compassion? Are we surprised when we sometimes learn that certain Christians are reaching out to, to, to groups of people that probably in sometimes we might feel inappropriate? There was, um, when I was at school in the sixth form, which doesn't seem that long ago, but <laughs> in hindsight it was last century. Um, actually it was the last millennia, wasn't it? So yeah, it was a long time ago. But I did A-level arts and I spent a lot of time in the art room with the other people doing A-level art. And there was one guy there, he was a real pain in the neck. Um, and he was always belittling people and he'd often have a go at me for going to Christian Union and all this sort of stuff. And I didn't like him at all. And I actually, I physically remember, and I've, I've shared this story with other people because I do remember thinking, well, he would never become a Christian. And then partway through the course, he came in one Monday morning and he s said something about Christian Union. And I said, oh, here we go again. He said, oh, I might like to come to that. I became, I became a Christian at the weekend. 
he had a Christian friend who I didn't know about and she took him, took him to her church and he became a Christian. And it, it was obviously amazing for him but it was pretty special to me because I suddenly realised I cannot say that person doesn't deserve Christ or that person never become a Christian. And I just wonder if we really feel there are groups of people that God doesn't love, are there, are there nations that God doesn't love, are there people of ISIS that God doesn't love, are there people in our society, you know, does God really love homeless people? Does really God care ab about people working in the sex industry? Does God reject people just because of their sexuality or their gender identity? Does God really want my neighbour, next door neighbour in heaven? He's a terrible person. I really do not want my mansion in heaven to be next to his mansion in heaven. <laughs> but God's compassion is for all people and all nations. And I can joyfully say this morning that God loves these people because I know you all agree because here at the Church of Waterbrook we do reach out to all kinds hey, even even atheist students you know we love them all so um, but there are many Christians who are prejudiced and uh, it sounds me greatly and, and in America the term evangelical Christian is actually changed as now people see that as an intolerant people people who, who hate, hate certain groups and it's not a good term and there, there are Christians I know in America who are redefining themselves as they, they call themselves red letter Christians in other words Christians who live by what Jesus said because evangelical Christians or born again Christian even has such a negative term but God is not intolerant we cannot be intolerant. We've got to love people. We've got to make a difference to people in our neighbourhood. And we've got to make it a priority. We've got to adopt God's compassion as a lifestyle. One very brief thought, which I just want to say, I kind of misled you in the beginning when I said the book of Jonah is not about Jonah. It's about God. Well, it is about God, but it is also about Jonah. Because if you read it again, if, if Jonah was a faithful, obedient servant of God, the book of Jonah would only consist of chapter 3. The other three chapters deal with Jonah's failures and, and what happened as a result of his failures. And I just think, God demonstrates his love and his compassion and his forgiveness to us in our own failures. And our life is about failures. And if you feel at the minute that you're a failure before God, then join the club. Because I'm in there with it. And I think we all are. God loves us. Don't beat yourself up about it. God just wants to move forward with us in our lives he's forgetting what's gone in the past just moving forward let's just pray shall we
Father, we give you the glory for your love for us because it's made such a deep impact on our lives. And it continues to impact our lives day in, day out. Father, we just want to share that love more. We want to serve you more. We want to live the life that you would have us live. To We want our actions to speak loudly. We want our words to be powerful, even if they're not eloquent. Father, we ask for your strength this week as we spend time with those who do not know you. Lord, forgive us for any intolerance we have towards certain people. Forgive us for, for groups of people we think aren't worthy. Lord, just 